The topic I have for today is the uh, cattle industry and the Flathead Reservation, and it's uh, uh, one topic of a uh, book that I did for the uh, uh, University of Oklahoma Press, Providing for the People, uh, The Economic Change Among the Salish and Kootenai Indians from 1875 to 1910. And uh, this is just one of the uh, topics which is included in there. Uh, between 1875 and 1910, cattle raising on the Flathead Reservation grew from a supplement uh, to a tribal economy based on hunting and gathering to the foundation of a new economy. Cattle exports from the reservation in the early 20th century supported many tribal members and made it possible for the tribes to avoid dependence on general rations from the federal government. The Flathead Reservation tribes had acquired their first cattle in the middle 19th century from the Flathead Agency gifts to the tribes and then trade for horses and with white settlers traveling west on the Oregon Trail to the south of the Salish and Kootenai homeland. Since much of the reservation was good grazing land, tribally owned cattle herds were the best prospect for replacing the sustenance lost with the extinction of the Plains buffalo herds. The numbers of reservation cattle listed in the annual reports <clears throat> were quite erratic between 1875 and 1881, but tended to run between 2,000 and 3,000 head. In the late 1870s, many of the cattle on the reservation were owned by white men, most of whom had, whom had married into the tribes. In 1875 and 1876, the Missoula County economy was depressed after the loss of the, of the decline of the Buffalo or the gold mining camps, and the county was desperate for more tax revenue. <coughs> the county commissioners attempted to tax the horses and cattle of the Bitterroot Valley sailors, which led to considerable bitterness on the part of Chief Charlotte. As part of their effort to increase Missoula County tax revenue, the commissioners tried to tax the cattle owned by mixed bloods and white men married into the tribes. According to Agent Charles Medry, the white cattleman who lived on the reservation had been on the reservation from five to eight years and had considerable improvements on their property. The most detailed record of cattle ownership in the, on the reservation in the late 1870s was the March 19, 1878 inventory by Agent Peter Ronan. Ronan counted 3,323 cattle on the reservation. He found 755 on by white men, not counting those held by the agency in the same initial mission. The census listed 105 tribal cattle owners. Most of the larger herds were owned by mixed bloods or white men, but Ronan listed 67 cattle owners who were full-blood Indians. The only full-blood owners with 100 or more head were Chief Arley and his family who had 100 head. Five mixed bloods had sizable herds. Duncan McDonald and his four brothers had 500 head. Anton Rive had 100 head. Michelle Pablo had 320 head. Raphael Beeson had 110 head. And Jim Grass had 125 head. Two white men had herds on the reservation with the permission of the chiefs. James Dugan had 355 head. And Daniel Sullivan had 275 head. Both of these white men had their herds in the Little Bitterroot Valley. The second largest herd on the reservation, a 410 head, was owned by James Burns, a white man who, had, who lived in the Mission Valley with his Bondere wife. 
In August 1878, one visitor to the reservation wrote that reservation cattlemen had been purchasing high-quality cattle from farmers in the Bitterroot Valley to improve their herds. That same month, Agent Ronan wrote to the Commissioner of Indian Affairs about the procedures for replacing the lost check and payment for 6,000 pounds of beef. Ronan bought the, the beef from Duncan McDonald for $240. Cattle drives and roundups provided employment for a number of tribal members. Several tribal elders in 1940 recalled an 1879 cattle drive of over 1,000 head from Lewiston, Idaho to the Upper Platte Valley. The cattle were owned by T.J. Vermeers, a Frenchtown merchant who married a Ponderay woman but most of the trail crew were Indian. Charles Allard was in charge of the herd that drove cattle to the Res Dakotas in the spring of 1880. The cattle were not sold until 1881 due to a business depression in the Dakotas. Cattle were a growing economic enterprise, uh, economic asset on the reservation between 1882 and 1888. According to the estimates supplied by Agent Ronan in his annual reports, Cattle herds on the reservation during this period grew from 3,600 head in 1882 to about 13,200 head in 1888. This was an over threefold increase over the period. As the reservation cattle herds grew, tribal stockmen moved to a more intensive model of ranching. Instead of year-round open range, many tribal members combined summer open range with harvesting hay for winter feeding. Ronan's estimates for hay harvested in the reservation increased from 540 tons in 1882 to 6,000 tons in 1888. That was more than a tenfold increase. The end of this period in 1888 marked the first record of reservation cattle being shipped to off-reservation markets by the train load. Organized cattle exports from the reservation represented a new level of integration from the Flathead Reservation into the larger white American economy. In June 1882, journalist E.P. Smalley noted that probably nine-tenths of the Flathead Reservation Indians were self-sustaining, and he saw thousands of sleek cattle and fine horses on the reservation open range. In 1882, a Colonel Warrington visited Chief Arley in the Joplin Valley and estimated that Arley was well-to-do. He was worth $15,000 or $20,000. Arley had accumulated much of his wealth trading cattle and other economic enterprises. Agent Ronan proudly recorded in his August 13, 1883 annual report that quite a number of Indians were then engaged in putting up hay. About the same time in summer 1883, Paul Dana visited the reservation and remarked that the hay fields in the Jocko Valley looked like any in the country of Lightning. While Dana's party was camped near Flathead Lake, an Indian brought them a large pail of strawberries and about a gallon of delicious cream. Their benefactor raised short horned cattle of first-rate quality. Dana thought the reservation cattle were as fine as those found on any range in Montana. During the September 1883 visit of Senator G.G. Vest and Montana Delegate Martin McGinnis to the reservation, Chief Michelle observed that tribal members were selling ponies, investing in the proceeds in cattle. During 1883 and 1884, the Northern Pacific Railroad was slow 
containing tribal members for cattle and horses killed by the railroad trains. In Ronan's listing of outstanding claims, he listed 51 cattle and 30 horses. Many of the cattle killed were milk cows valued at up to $60 each. The value of stock cattle killed was up to $40 each. In December 1886, A.L. Demers, a white trader, opened butcher shops at St. Ignatius and Darlene. Two mixed bloods, Max Couture and Isidore Ladrup, worked as butchers. Uh, late in the summer of 1888, two white men, white cattle buyers from Ohio, an A. Campbell and a George C. Campbell, passed through Missoula on their way to buy cattle. They said they planned to purchase two trainloads of cattle on the reservation. This was the first reference found for large purchases of trainloads of reservation cattle for the off-reservation market. An Interior Department inspection report in October 20, 1888 found about 3,000 acres on the reservation devoted for raising hay for winter feed. According to the inspector, the majority of the cattle on the reservation were owned by mixed bloods and white men married Indian women. After the first recorded trainload shipment of cattle to off-reservation markets in 1888, the cattle industry continued growing through the 1889-1904 period. According to the estimates in the Commission of Indian Affairs annual reports, Blackhead Reservation cattle herds grew from 13,250 head in 1889 to 28,000 in 1904. Most of the cattle on the reservation range were owned by a few rich mixed bloods such as Charles Allard and Michelle Pablo, but many mixed blood and full blood Indians had smaller herds that shared the range. The industry was based on common open range with seasonal roundups. Between 1889 and 1904, the cattle industry on the was the backbone of the Flathead Reservation economy. Fall shipments of cattle from the reservation to off-reservation markets in Chicago and other cities were a principal source of income for Flathead stockmen. Little evidence has survived, but the stockmen provided seasonal employment and income for many other tribal, other mixed-blood and full-blood Indian families on the reservation. No overall figures are available, but the cattle shipped to market from the reservation generated substantial revenue for large, for the large stockmen. In August 1891, Charles Allard and Michelle Pablo shipped 400 head of cattle to a Chicago firm. They were paid $40 a head. Malcolm McLeod accompanied Charles Allard Sr. in the trainload of cattle to Chicago in 1893. Angus P. McDonald shipped three railroad cars of cattle to Chicago from Plains in September 1893. In November 1893, another four train loads were shipped from the reservation, but the individual sellers were not identified. Agent Joseph Carter reported that $40,000 worth of reservation cattle were shipped to Chicago in 1894. One unnamed full blood stockman netted $6,000 in 1894. In August 1895, Charles Allard sold a trainload of reservation cattle in Chicago and they averaged 1,653 pounds each. Agent Carter uh, predicted that 80 to 90 carloads of cattle would be shipped from the reservation in 1896, totaling 1,600 to 1,800 head. 
Another 500 head would be sold to traders on the reservation. In October 1896, report estimated 60 cargoes had been sent from the reservation that year. Most of the reservation uh, the cattle on the reservation were owned by the large cattle owners, primarily mixed bloods or white men who married into the tribes. But apparently, many other tribal members had smaller herds. In 1895, P. McCormick, an Indian inspector, figured that there were about 20,000 cattle on the reservation, but half were owned by six or seven mixed bloods. The 1900 United States Census found that most Blackhead Reservation stockmen reported annual sales in 1899 of less than $1,000. Only 19 had sales worth more than $1,000. Five sold more than $4,000 in stock, and one had $10,000, $10,100 in livestock sales. In July 1901, Frank C. Armstrong, a Department of the Interior special agent, found that about a quarter of the full bloods on the reservation were farming and had some cattle. Between St. Ignatius and the foot of Flathead Lake, he found 40 full blood Indians who were doing, quote, fairly well and had farms and cattle. In November 1902, Michelle, a mixed bud, a wealthy cattleman in Camas, was robbed of $22,000 in cash. According to Special Indian Agent Charles S. McNichols, he made the money raising cattle. In January 1903, Charles S. McNichols compiled a list of the 19 largest cattle owners on the reservation. Seven were white men, married to Indian women, Seven were mixed bloods, three were full blood Indians, and two were Indians adopted from other tribes. The cattle industry in the reservation was based on open range, but was supplemented by some winter feeding. In his last annual report in 1893, Agent Peter Ronan described semi-annual roundups where calves were branded. All the cattlemen took part. According to a September 1904 newspaper article, a late summer roundup where mature cattle were selected for market was conducted jointly by the stockmen. In the, in the reservation economy between 1882 and 1888, reservation cattlemen had developed a system of at least selective winter feeding. Putting up hay and feeding it to cattle during the winter greatly improved their survival during the coldest part of the year. The estimates in the annual commission, reports of the Commission of Indian Affairs have the hay crop increasing from 6,040 tons in 1889 to 27,000 tons in 1904, an increase of nearly 450%. On August 1st, 1889, Agent Lanan wrote that the Indian cattle owners were making strenuous efforts to harvest wild hay from marshy areas for winter feeding. An 1891 traveler through the Mission Valley on the reservation found thousands of horses and cattle grazing on the open range in the valley. A few mixed blood cattlemen had fenced off land to raise their stock separate from the common herd. The Plains newspaper from July 1896 carried reports that the hay crop on the reservation that year was immense, and two of the largest cattle owners were in Plains purchasing supplies for hay. Many of the Indian farmers raised grain to feed as hay during the winter. 
As mentioned previously, most of the large shipments of reservation cattle between 1889 and 1904 went to market in Chicago by way of the Northern Pacific Railroad. At least one shipment in September 1902, however, was shipped to market in Seattle. Some of the reservation cattle were sold to buyers who came to Platte and purchased directly from the ranchers. This may have been the principal marketing method for owners of smaller herds. In June 13, 1899, the gave permission for Peter Fenderson to buy cattle on the reservation for 10 days. Gaspar Deshaw was an active buyer, cattle buyer on the reservation in 1900-1901. In May 28, 1900, he got a permit to buy cattle for four days. Another 10 days were authorized in July 1900, and on May 20, 1901, he got a permit good for the entire 1901 season. Frank Genty got permission to purchase reservation cattle on June 12, 1903. Other cattle were sold and butchered in Montana. Agent Carter mentioned this local market in his 1894 annual report. John R. Daly, who operated a slaughterhouse and meat market in Missoula, was a frequent purchaser of reservation cattle. The reservation cattle owners fully supported Smeet's plan to reduce reservation horse herds to make more room for cattle on the open range. Most of Smeet's agenda for reducing reservation horse herds involved developing the market so tribal members could sell their horses. The second part of Smeet's plan for the stock industry, however, was vigorously opposed by reservation cattlemen. This involved charge, charging tribal members a $1 per year grazing fee for all horses and cattle uh, that members owned over 100 head. On February 2nd, 1903, the Secretary of Interior authorized an annual grazing tax on hordes of more than 100 per family. The tax of $1 per animal was to start April 1st, 1903. In February 1903, Agent Smith consulted with some of my leading Indians about the grazing tax. These leaders, presumably all full-bloods, had no problem with the grazing tax on the herds of white men, mixed bloods, and Indians from other reservations. However, they were seriously opposed to the full-bloods who had rights being taxed. The opposition to the grazing tax culminated in the spring 1903 protest delegation to Washington, D.C. The delegation included traditional chiefs, agency judges, and mixed blood cattlemen. The president and the commissioner of Indian Affairs were not available, but the delegates were able to meet with the Secretary of the Interior. According to Duncan McDonald, one of the mixed blood cattle owners, the Secretary of the Interior would not yield an inch, but simply settled down like a mired mule and wouldn't even answer me. Sneed moved to implement the tax and threatened the need stockmen who refused with removal from the reservation. William Irvin refused to pay, and on May 13, 1903, the Commissioner of Indian Affairs authorized Irvin's removal from the reservation. Irvin capitulated and paid his grazing tax, and the removal order was canceled. Joseph Morjo proved to be the most obstreperous opponent to the grazing tax. Morjo refused to pay the tax and refused to leave the reservation when police ordered him off the reservation. In November 1903, soldiers were sent from Fort Missoula to remove Morjo. 
after being forcibly removed, Morris paid his raising tax of $1,300 and was allowed to return home. In order to undermine the opposition of the raising tax, Smead pushed for a per capita payment. In January 1904, a $5 per capita payment was made to all tribal members from the money collected from the grazing tax. Flathead Reservation cattle investor went through wrench and change from 1905 to 1910 to adjust to the reservation opening. Apparently, cattle prices were depressed in the beginning of the period. In his annual report for 1905, Bellow referred to low cattle prices during the fall of 1904 that complicated the collection of the grazing tax. On February 1st, 1906, Bellow complained that many of the largest tribal cattle owners were delinquent on their grazing taxes. Their cattle were heavily mortgaged and the banks would not advance more money to the owners. No references were found giving the total number of cattle shipped in this period, but some accounts claim many were shipped. Back in August of 1905, Charles Allard reported that 1905 had been a great season on the reservation for shipping of cattle and horses. A cattle buyer based in Plains estimated that more than 5,000 head of cattle had been sold to off-reservation buyers in the fall of 1905 season. He noted shipments to Tacoma, Seattle, and Chicago. A surprising number of the reservation cattle between 1905 and 1910 were sold to butchers in surrounding Montana communities. John R. Daly, a Missoula butcher, was one of the most frequent customers for reservation beef. He purchased two carloads of cattle in June 1905. Daly uh, returned for more cattle in June 1906 and for four more carloads in June 1907. In October 1907, Daly got 400 more head of reservation cattle, which was enough to supply his butcher business for a month. In June 1905, John Wenger, a butcher from Anaconda, was purchasing cattle on the flathead. That same month, Lee W. Lewis of the Butte Butchering Company and Gerald Ganger of Kalispell were also buying flathead cattle. G. F. Hibbler, a butcher from Heron, purchased reservation cattle in November 1906. In 1908, the W. B. Russell Meat Company of Plains sold reservation beef to local customers. Zephyr Cordwell, Cordwell, I'm sorry, uh, a uh, tribal member formed a joint uh, venture with a white man named Cooper in 1909 to market meat from Cordell's cattle to St. Regis and Plains uh, customers. Given the impending loss of open range grazing from the opening of the reservation, a number of prominent tribal cattle owners liquidated their herds between 1905 and 1910. A report in September 1906 mentioned Angus P. McDonald, P.G. Demers, and Arthur Larrabee as tribal cattlemen who were liquidating their herds. Agent Bellow reported that cattle prices had improved in 1906, facilitating the reduction in the herds. Mrs. J.B. Jetty was planning to sell all her cattle on the reservation in 1907, and Duncan McDonald sold all his cattle to Alan Fortner of Missoula in March 1910. A large number of Hawaii Reservation cattle were shipped to open ranges on the Blackfeet Reservation and in Canada between 1905 and 1910. Most of these cattle were still owned by the Blackfeet Reservation tribal members. 
but grazed on Canadian ranges. In 1908, Michel Pablo sold the large herd of cattle to an unnamed buyer in Browning. When the buyer went bankrupt, Pablo drove the cattle back to Flathead. Unfortunately, the cattle had become infected with uh, scab or mange on Blackfeet and then introduced the disease on Flathead. As a consequence, all the cattle owners on the Flathead Reservation had to run their cattle through a disinfectant bath to eradicate the diseases. Some of the reservation cattlemen reacted to the loss of the open range by upgrading the quality of their stock. In May 1908, William Irvin purchased several head of thoroughbred bulls from the Marcus Dailing Ranchers in the Bedrook Valley. The occupation listings in the 1910 U.S. population census on the reservation suggested that even though the mixed bloods had the larger herds, Many full blood tribal members also had livestock. Of the 150 individuals listed as farmers or stockmen in the Indian census, 38 or 25% were full blood, 55 or 37% were half or more Indian but less than full blood, um, 34 or 23% were less than half Indian, and 23 or 15% were white. In his 1910 annual report, Agent Morgan wrote, um, practically every family on the reservation is engaged in the cattle business to a certain extent, and the herds vary from two to three cows to as high as a thousand head of cattle. Between 1875 and 1910, the sales of horses and cattle and buffalo from the Platte Reservation herds enabled the Platte tribes to avoid relying on government rations for support. Since the agent did not control the food supply, tribal members were able to avoid the dependence that blighted the Plains Indian reservations to the east. By 1905, some evidence suggests that the Platte Reservation tribes were as well off economically as most rural white Montana communities. Unfortunately, in 1904, Congressman Joseph Dixon pushed through an allotment bill that resulted in the sale of tribal assets, the land, for much less than full value. Consequently, the tribe's future income was reduced and they became poor, but that's a other story. <laughs> and almost out of time anyway, so. <laughs> 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 <laughs>